Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. NFL Week 11. Just over an hour away. And it is a massive game. Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Excited about this one. Going to have it for you again here on ESPN Radio. We are excited to bring it to you. We're going to talk a lot about it and some other games here in uh, the uh, second hour of the show. By the way, if you missed anything in hour number one, you go ahead and you listen on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, and listen at your leisure, on your time, on any of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Google and Apple. All of that thanks to our friends at Blackfoot Communications. If you want to pick up your phone and call, feel free to do that as well. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. It's a trailer, Rangich, absolutely. Uh, if you would like to text that number, you can do that as well. Reese will pass me all the texts forward, and then I will siphon through them. He is a very he's a, he's a very particular screener back there though. You got to send something good. 361-3688 the phone number all guests again joining us via the Rage Brothers RV phone line. We do this every Thursday around here. It is time for our picks against the spread. And uh, Colt, we talked to Mike Dugar earlier, heard what he had to say, but let's start just with tonight's game. It is the Seahawks game. Again, we'll be taking you out to uh, CenturyLink Field as soon as the show is over and uh, get you get you there in time for a little pregame and, uh, and kick off the Seattle-Arizona game tonight. Seattle was a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the look-ahead line. And then after the game last week, obviously the miracle – uh, you know, by Arizona. But I think this was more, I think this line moved more in Arizona's favor as a result of Seattle and their loss and kind of what they've looked like the past couple of weeks more than, you know, Arizona, though they did come through there at the end and, and beat a good Buffalo team. I mean, that's a good win for the Cardinals. But the Seahawks uh, are still a three-point favorite in this game, which I'm a little bit surprised at, frankly. Um Arizona has looked certainly like the better team. I know that you have been off of Seattle. You've been tepid on Seattle. You admitted like, yeah, that's a pretty good team. But now the the things that we have been indicting Seattle for, even while they are winning, are coming back to prove out that this is why they are losing, even though actually last week it wasn't even necessarily the defense that did it. You know, when you talk about the Rams, but Seattle a three-point favorite tonight. What do you think about this football game just in general? I think it's a gigantic 
opportunity for Arizona to really prove it. Mm. I think that right now, when you look at the NFC, the Packers have shown flashes of being awesome and have also had a couple games where you're like, wow, they got some serious weaknesses, namely the last couple weeks against Mm -hmm. the Vikings and the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. The Saints... I think have, have come around, turned the corner the last couple of weeks, but they, even though during their pretty good start, were still sort of missing an element. They're lackluster. I guess what I'm saying is, and Seattle has, has dipped a little bit the last month of the season as well. Yeah. So I think that I have been tepid on wanting to buy the hype of Arizona, but now that Arizona's got it rolling, I think they're a team, they play a system on both sides of the ball that's based off of momentum largely. And I think a guy like Kyler Murray... You really can't have a hot streak when you're a quarterback like him, and I think he's hot right now. And I think they have a chance to really affirm themselves as a true contender in the NFC, not just like a, a playoff team. But, I, I mean, I really think that if, if they put it all together, b- given what they've seen, it's a conference championship game appearance for the Arizona Cardinals is not out of the question. And they, and they can affirm that tonight, but they have to not have a letdown after the great win last week, and they have to figure out how to beat their in-division in rival. I uh, I I. I am going to say something that's going to be roughly accurate, and I should have researched this a little bit more, but this is basically the, what it is. We're, we're at week 11. Yep. Okay, We've had 10 weeks of a 17-week season. Kyler Murray is either tied for or going to be tied for. I believe he is tied right now with Cam Newton from his MVP season with the most games for a quarterback in the history of the league where that quarterback had both a rushing and passing touchdown. Mm-hmm. If he does it one more time, which you feel like there's no question he's going to, he will be, you know, the all-time leader in, in year two of his NFL career. And he could he could do it four five, I mean three, four, five more times, right? Before it's all said and done. So I love Kyler Murray. Uh he is he is magic to watch. I'll tell you what, if you if you like quarterbacks just from an entertainment standpoint, this is the game for you. To watch these two go for it. Here, I'm going to make my prediction on this game, Coulter, and I'm going to make it very, very thin, where my margin for error here is really, really small, and so it's almost certainly not going to be the case. But I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals to cover while I'm picking the Seattle Seahawks yet to win. I think this becomes a very close game, which is odd because I'm also going to predict that this game goes over and the over-under is the highest number on the board. I believe it's 57 or 57 and a half points is the over-under in this game. I think both these teams are are looking at 30 all day long and I could see Seattle winning a close shootout, which you don't get that often. Often a shootout is at least a touchdown, even if it's a back-and-forth game because everybody's scoring all the time. But I like Seattle to win this game by a point or maybe two, and yet Arizona covers. The reason I like Seattle to win the game is because I think Seattle needs the game. I like what you're saying for Arizona, that Mm -hmm. this is a prove-it game for the Cardinals. Like, are you really? You beat them once? Can you sweep? The champs, the conference or the division champs, you know, in 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 two games against them and on the road, even though there's no fans. Okay, can you do it? We'll find out. But I I think that Seattle has found ways in the past, especially with you know at the end of the day, uh, some of their losing has been a result of Russell Wilson, and I think that he doesn't make the mistakes tonight that he has made the last couple of weeks, and that gives Seattle the slight edge in this game. I'll say that even with all that predicting that I'm doing, I just can't wait. I think this go. I I I can't wait to go home, sit in front of my television, and look at this because I think this is going to be a uh, a super fun football game. I mean, per the Kyler Murray numbers portion of this thing, yeah, it, it's actually insane. I don't think it's getting enough coverage right now. I mean, Kyler Murray is throwing for 331 yards per game and also averaging seven yards per carry and also has 10 rushing touchdowns. The most rushing touchdowns in a season by a quarterback is 14 by Cam Newton. It's amazing. He's already about to break that. Yes, he is. He also has 604 rushing yards. Lamar Jackson set the NFL record with a 1,200 and change last year. So he's on pace to break the single-season rushing record for a quarterback, the touchdowns record for a quarterback, as well as, though, he's not throwing for 197 yards a game like Lamar Jackson. He's throwing for 330. Yeah. And he's also thrown 17 touchdowns. So, well, and and again, I mean, I think this is he's the best of all possible worlds for for you know the new era and the new age of quarterbacks because his running isn't a default; it is the thing that happens when it needs to, and 
teams are so worried about him running that it then also opens up stuff in the passing game too. And you know, like you said, I mean, he's his his zero to one hundred percent is the fastest. I mean, maybe of anyone in the league, yeah, certainly oh yeah. of any quarterback. Oh, there's no maybe. And he's about only it, right? the. I mean, he's probably the second fastest quarterback. I mean, Lamar Jackson is the fastest straight line. <sighs> Lamar Jackson is the fastest straight line. No, yeah. there, there's no question. But Kyler Murray's change of direction, stop to start, it's unrivaled. It's unrivaled, man. I mean, I know we're, we're getting into the land of hyperbole, but I, I, I truly think he's the greatest athlete to ever play the position of quarterback. I really do. I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to debate that with you right now. So because, you, because he's he's as agile and as fast and as elusive as all the other superhuman guys like Lamar Jackson and Michael Vick, but, but Kyle Murray throws away better. Okay, but I know this, that with Arizona being an underdog, what you think of them and what you've always felt about the Seahawks, yeah, you're picking Arizona to cover, but do you like Arizona to win this game outright? I like Arizona to win this game outright. Okay. Uh, onward into Sunday we go. Uh, there's a couple of, of, of very interesting games. I want to just take a quick moment to uh, look at this Miami-Denver game. A lot of Bronco fans out there listen to uh, the show, and we know that the Broncos have uh, they've been okay and then have been bad. Uh, they did get the win over the Chargers because evidently everybody beats the Chargers, even though the Chargers, people want to believe the Chargers are good. But, uh, well, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the haircut does it. But the <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Stupid oh, oh, Get off haircut. the poor kid. He's a genius, and he's one of the greatest NFL, quarterback, NFL rookie quarterbacks we've seen. Just, like, let it be. Yeah, if he was smart, you know what? Wouldn't have cut his hair. Looks like an adolescent child. He can't be taken seriously now. Um, The Miami Dolphins were a point and a half favorite on the look ahead line. They're now three and a half point favorites at Denver. I'm sorry, Bronco fans, but I got Miami all day in this. Miami is a really good football team, and they're getting better uh, as they go. Uh, I still don't like, I will say this for the record, I don't like the move to go to Tua. I don't like it, but they are winning. Uh, you know, with the move being there. By the way, they were minute winning with Ryan Fitzpatrick as well. But Denver right now is in is is they don't know what they are. And, and frankly, and I, I I really liked the Vic Fangio hire two years ago when John Elway made it. I thought in this era and this trend of hiring young offensive minded head coaches to go with the curmudgeonly old defensive guy, and when they had a very st- strong defense, and to some extent have do have they have they have really good defensive personnel even without Vaughn Miller, um, but it's becoming clear to me that he isn't the guy that's do that that is that is pulling this team together the way they need to be just overall you know and you know i, I don't want to sit here and start putting the you know better as a coordinator mantra and stuff like that but that's what it looks like to me with denver right now and i think that they have talent i think that they have personnel both sides of the ball with potential to be good but they are not good right now they are not just not good they are in fact bad in miami i'm surprised that even in denver you know where if there was ever going to be a home field advantage with no fans denver is where it is right you got the mile high you got the 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 cold of november i got no idea what the forecast is for Denver Sunday, but give me the Broncos, uh, you know, at home often because of that home field advantage, just in the fear, the, the, the pure science and physics and climate of it. I still got the Dolphins covering this one. I think the Dolphins are going to, are going to win this game pretty handily. I mean, Dolphins have looked great. They have, they're really well coached on defense. They got good personnel. I got a question for you. Okay. You just mentioned, better as a coordinator who's not because the majority of good good to great head football coaches in the league were not coordinators they're position coaches and then head coaches well yeah so i'll give you an example bruce arians bruce arians is a longtime offensive coordinator quarterbacks coach i also think is excellent and maybe even better as a head coach is he better as a head coach his results as an offensive coordinator were significantly better than his results as a head coach but that's because of the personnel more than anything yeah i I mean mean, coaching peyton manning and ben roethlisberger gets you a long ways but bruce arians has a a super bowl maybe even two rings uh, as a coordinator and has has he ever made the playoffs as a head coach? Oh yeah, no. He he's in Arizona. He had a he had a pretty good thing going for for a couple of years, and then it kind of fell off. Uh, and, well, and then he you know he went he got had some health issues as well. But what I'm saying is Bruce Arians makes Bruce Arians makes sense and works as a head coach. 
Some guys just don't, and I'm I'm starting to see that or believe that about Vic Fangio. That's just that's just where I'm at right now. You know, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm seeing. And Kevin Stefanski's looking like he might be a pretty good transition from coordinator we'll to, to head coach. We'll see, but I mean, I, I mean, mean a lot, a lot. I mean, uh, uh, I don't think Andy Reid was ever an offensive coordinator. I don't think John Gruden was ever an offensive coordinator. I don't think Mike Tomlin was ever a coordinator. Yeah, but those guys all became head coaches very young. They did. You know? They did. All I'm saying is there's been so many times where there's been a Steve Spagnola or a, a Norv Turner or, a, you know, a Wade Phillips. These guys are all like epic Hall of Fame level coordinators on one side of the ball or the other that were not good head coaches. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly there's a history of that. But, um, you know, Mike, Mike Noel or um, uh, Mike Zimmer's trying to prove it. He's trying to. Yeah, I mean, there's been some I mean, guys who John Harbaugh was good, a but, coordinator. You know, he's mostly special teams, right? And that's what I'm saying. That's where it is. Is it's usually the guy who's the special teams mm-hmm. co- coordinator or or some sort of position coach. It's two telling Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Colts, let's run through a couple more of these. Uh, you know that I'm not going to let a week get by without talking Green Bay. Green Bay opened on the look ahead line as a one and a half point favorite, but they struggled against Jacksonville and Indy. Had a very convincing victory against Tennessee, and the Colts looked to me like maybe one of the teams that has shown maybe the most steady improvement over the course of this year they're starting to find their footing get used to philip rivers being their quarterback they're running the ball effectively though not in the manner that a lot of people thought they would but nonetheless all that matters is that you get it done and now it is indianapolis that is a one and a half point home favorite over the green bay packers i think this is a very interesting game i'm excited about this game if you look at green bay i believe they're seven and two right now they're uh, a very good football team but they their two losses are to two good teams and they have played a bunch of garbage teams they have their best win is probably over the saints uh in but that's been a month now since that game happened maybe even five six weeks ago uh, that they played new orleans so i think that this is a major major test for green bay and they need to show that they can beat a good team after you know beating it beating down a terrible san francisco team beating barely a you know a, a one win jacksonville team and losing uh to the minnesota vikings the year the week previous to that so i think this is a, a very compelling game uh from from a green bay perspective and maybe to some extent from indianapolis as well uh they're gonna have to do it a little differently against a really high octane passing offense well really offense in general they're running the ball well in green bay as well and a great colts d the matchup here is is fascinating because Green Bay's definitive weakness is defending the run. Mm. The Colts have gotten to six and three in a fashion that I think not a lot of people expected. That's they, right. They've done it with defense and uh, running back by committee, which I think that everybody thought it was going to be Marlon Mack and and Jonathan Taylor. Marlon Mack goes down, so everybody's thinking, okay, it's me, Jonathan Taylor. This guy's going to have a breakout year. He's going to be a thousand yard running back as a rookie. Not has it been Hines the, and it hasn't been the case. He's actually now fallen behind Hines and over way behind. Uh, he's, uh, he's the third. He's the third, third guy back. Yeah, and and it's been more like Philip Rivers throwing for three hundred plus yards mm-hmm. a game. That's that's buoyed the offense, but it's the defense that is the identity of the Colts, and I think that that's hard. That's never been the narrative that's been sold of the Colts. I mean, the Colts are the the history of the franchise. They've always had, you know, from Johnny Unitas to Peyton Manning, golden boy quarterbacks, and, and the offense playing inside. That's always been what the greater NFL public has consumed about the Colts. And I think it's easy to overlook the fact that they have one of the most ferocious defenses in the league. Mm. When they've gotten into fist fights with some of the other teams that have similar identities. And it's funny because everybody knows that that's what the identity of the Bears is. Everybody knows that's what the identity of the Ravens is. They don't know it's the, the Colts. We're starting to think that that's the identity of the Titans. But you look at in those games, the Colts beat the Bears at their own game. The Colts got beat up by the Ravens, but then bounced back the next week and destroyed the Titans. And so I want to read into what the result was last week, but I just thought the Colts just rose up and were the tougher team in a in a game between two tough teams mm-hmm. with the Titans. That said, the Green Bay's not going to lure them into a matchup of toughness and vice versa either. So I think that the Colts is going to be a big prove-it game in terms of can they run the ball effectively. If you can't against Green Bay, you can't. Right. And But on the other side, though, I just don't know. It's not about rising your level of toughness to slow down Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill like it was a week ago. It's much more complex than that. Aaron Rodgers is going to get you in the right play. He's going to stretch you out. He's going to get you on the perimeter. The Packers have been good running the ball, 
since Matt LaFleur took over. But I just I think that it's gonna it's gonna dissipate a little bit of what the Colts' biggest advantage is in this game. So I think this is a fascinating game. I would call this game a coin flip. I think it's a huge game for both teams, though. I think we'll know more about both teams coming out of this game. I agree. I totally agree with everything you said. I also completely agree. To me, this is an absolute coin flip game. I think this is a dead pick'em game. And so, and it's easy for me to say as a fan, since the Colts are favored, I'm taking Green Bay as the as the slight underdog sure. to to cover. You're gonna give me a point. I mean, Point and a half, I'll, I'll take it. When you dissect the strengths and weaknesses of these two teams, I mean, the Colts are really good on defense. They have really good players, especially in the front seven. Phillip Rivers is what he is. But I think that you know, Green Bay has a definitive advantage with offensive skill guys. The Colts have a definitive advantage on defense. So then what's the going to be the deciding factor? Well, I'm taking Aaron Rodgers over Phillip Rivers every single day of the week. Yeah, the one thing to certainly keep in mind, uh, an eye on is that uh, – Devontae Adams was downgraded from healthy to questionable. Mm. Uh, he almost had a DNP yesterday. He got enough work in to get a limited tag on his uh, a Wednesday practice. But uh, if he does not come out and practice and has not yet said uh, you know, definitively that he is going to play on Sunday, we just won't know. So uh, you know, we will pay attention to that, and that would be significant, obviously, as uh, the overwhelmingly best offensive, well, pass catcher, uh, and uh, he and Aaron Jones, really the, the overwhelmingly best players offensively on this team outside of uh, you know the offensive line and Aaron Rodgers. So uh, that is one uh, to keep an eye on, but I, I like Green Bay in this spot. Colter, let's fast forward. Let's do these two games relatively quickly. We're a little low on time, but Sunday night, I think, is a compelling matchup between the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs opened as a seven-point favorite. They are now an eight-point favorite. Obviously, the one loss that the Chiefs have on this season is to Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, but this game is, first of all, uh, uh, coming off of a bye for Andy Reid. We know Andy Reid's history coming off of a bye is outstanding. Uh, Ken, I, I think the Chiefs also will will have a little something for the Raiders because they did lose and it is a divisional game, right? I mean, it, at the end rivalry. of the day, it's a, it's a rivalry and a game that that you need. I mean, what's Vegas's record right now? Do you have that in front of you? The Raiders' record. Find find that Coulter real quick for me. Uh, I thought you were sorry. I thought you were asking me uh, about oh, like the, Las the, Vegas the, in general. The lines Ser- seriously, doing, I swear, I'm gonna figure betting. out. I'm gonna figure out that the Raiders <laughs> are in. Uh, Las Vegas and the Chargers are in Los Angeles and the Washington football team does not have a logo. Right. <laughs> the Raiders what? are six and three. So the Raiders are six and three and the Chiefs are eight or nine and one, eight and one, I guess. And the Raiders have won three straight Browns, Chargers, Broncos. But if the Raiders win this game, Coulter, all of a sudden the team we're talking for is talking about it, I think is probably the, the definitive AFC uh, favorites to go against Pittsburgh, right? Uh, become not even they're, they're right there a half a game with the tiebreaker to win the division. Hundred percent, you know. With, so this is a big game with great wins on their resume too. I mean, the Raiders beat the Saints, which that was week two, but they still beat the Saints. Yeah, who's becoming That's know, right. evolving into one of the NFC favorites as we expected them to be, but they now that they're, they're starting to show what we initially thought they would be. They beat the Chiefs. The Raiders did, uh, and I mean, I know the Chargers are two and seven, but that's a good win to beat the Chargers. Sure. The Chargers are a talented football team, but they also have you know the loss of the Bucks, lost the Patriots, lost the Bills. But they were in it with the Bills all the way down to the end as well. So I, I just think that the Raiders they're not getting as much uh, hype as maybe they should be because I agree with you. They they are a good team. I think they have good players on both sides. The one thing about this game though is that they have struggled with COVID as much as anybody, and they yeah. have another seven guys. Yeah on the list, and that includes Colton Miller, who's their starting left tackle, and Maurice Hurst, who's their best interior defensive lineman. And so that's that's tough. And as we've seen, too, Raiders or otherwise, the contact tracing, when it's on the lines, that can have such an impact because those guys are together so much. They're around, like they're next to each other all the time, so the contact tracing happens so much more often. And so you just wonder if that's going to matriculate and, and there's going to be even more uh, that, that aren't in. But um, I, I agree with you. If, if the Raiders win this game, they're absolutely got to be talked about as one of the top teams in the NFL. I mean, if you sweep the Chiefs. Yeah. No, absolutely. But with that in mind, and I agree with what you said about the Raiders, I like the Chiefs, and I actually like them a lot in this game. If they win, the, the Chiefs, when you're as good as they've been the last couple of years, yep. down the stretch, um, you got to manufacture it from within, but there's a lot of times not a huge onus to win a game. 
And in this, this is as big a game as they're going to have for the rest of the season to me, where they can, if they win this game, they separate themselves out by like three games over the rest of the field in their own division. They split with the Raiders, so there's no tie break thing. And they can, they can really start to distance themselves out as the team that I think they are coming off the bye. We'll see what happens with the Raiders are from a COVID standpoint, but I like, I like the Chiefs here, and I like them to cover. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game by 10. Yeah, but coming off a bye, you know they're going to have new wrinkles, new folds. They also get some guys back that have been at the very least questionable and, and uh, even missed some time. Sammy Watkins be back. I know that Sammy Watkins has – there's an interesting opinion about Sammy Watkins among NFL people because he seems to always be hurt and he seems to have never lived up to what everybody wanted him to be. Yet he's still a great player. He's still an exceptional talent, and mm-hmm. he can add to what is already a fearsome offense. And I just think that uh, you give Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, time in the lab for two weeks to prepare for this thing, and you have the motivation of revenge being your only loss this year. I agree with you. I think the Chiefs, I'm all over the Chiefs on this one as well. Monday Nighter, an intriguing matchup, great matchup. Rams, Bucks on Monday Night Football. Uh, this is what I would consider an impossible game to sit here and try and predict or analyze because yeah. both of these teams have had nights where they've looked like one of the best teams in the league and nights where they've looked like a bottom half team of the league. Um, I think obviously, I think everybody thinks that the talent on both of these teams is, you know, top 10, top eight, maybe better than that for both of these clubs. Uh, but it's a matter of putting it together. And we've seen enough Jekyll and Hyde, especially out of Tampa, but out of the Los Angeles Rams as well, that I have no idea what to do. I'm not offering this advice just for me personally. If I got no idea what to do, give me the underdog, mm. uh, which the Rams are a four-point underdog in this game. This game is in Tampa Bay. So I would take the Rams for that reason alone and no other. But I, I, have, I would, first of all, actually stay a million miles away from this game in that standpoint because this is all about which team shows up and 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 the team that is you know quote unquote more ready to go more polished executes better which is generally the case but particularly for these two who have been inconsistent in doing that uh that's the team that's going to win if they came out and both did it i think it has the potential to be a great game i think this could be an excellent game on monday night and uh, and would kind of be a coin flip to me but I, i'm looking forward to it i think it'll be fun it's been interesting to watch the way the Rams win or what they hang their hat on evolve this season because since Sean McVay took over, it's, you know, fast-paced offense, pedal to the metal, and they haven't had that sort of offensive really explosion except for since that comeback that fell just short against the Bills. After that, it's been pretty much winning with defense. I mean, they had to gut one out to beat the Giants by a touchdown, and yeah. they only scored 17 points. They lost to the Niners, and they only scored, I think, one offensive touchdown in that game. They had to gut it out against the Bears, and it wasn't. It was not necessarily that pretty offensively. They looked terrible against the Dolphins in a loss, and then last week against the Seahawks, like you mentioned, it wasn't that they gashed Seattle's porous defense. It was the defense for the Rams that have won, and I think it's very interesting to watch that. That's the way that they have sort of formulated um, their ability to, to, to win, and and. Man, I just want to believe that the Bucks are so right. good on defense, right. and sometimes they look so bad. I don't get it. Yeah, because they have great players. Yeah, I, I just I think that the inconsistencies of the Bucks are concerning, uh, but I also think that the the lackluster nature of the Rams' offense, I think it could be pinned on on one thing. It's that they're not they're not very effective running the ball. They need that run game yeah. to set up all of the other things. I mean, Goff. Makers and Darrell Henderson, they've been there. Eh, okay. Goff's not going to sit there and change all the play at the line of scrimmage right. and do all the other stuff like the great quarterbacks do. He needs to get into a rhythm, which is spurred on by the run game. He needs to be able to run the play action so he can throw it deep. So who you got? I mean, I just think that Goff has such a bust potential against a defense that should be and has been good. So I'm taking the Bucks. Very good. Picks against the spread. Always fun. Always nice to do on a Thursday. And I have a hard time disagreeing with Coulter on this. I really do. I mean, I picked the Rams, but I got I mean, I got no feel for Monday night. None whatsoever. I do have a feel for tonight, and the feel is, as I said, very thin, but I think it's gonna be a great game. Very entertaining game, and I can't wait for it. Speaking of, it's coming up at the top of the hour, right here on ESPN radio. We'll send you to Seattle, the Century League Field. For Thursday night football, a huge NFC West matchup. But let's learn a little bit more about it 
from somebody who actually knows about this stuff. Mike Dugar, 12 for the 12s. Covers the Seahawks for the Athletic. Next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot, connect to more. At Gus Tutel. I mean, if you're on Twitter and you're not following at Gus Tutel. It's not good or bad. It's it's fine. It's okay. But you're welcome to. I invite you there. Try and keep it positive, happy. Also at 1029 ESPN, follow the station, the show. That's Skyline Sports MT for all your up-to-the-moment, minute, instant, Big Sky Conference news. That's where you want to go for that on Twitter. There's a game coming up this evening. Perhaps you've heard about it. Thursday night football, Seahawks hosting Arizona. This is one of the games. I mean, this is one of the games of the year to talk about regular season, especially the way this season has uh, sort of shaped up. Arizona already having won a game against Seattle. And uh, this will be obviously the final then matchup between these two in the regular season. And a huge, huge game for a Seattle team that's been, well, on the schneid a little bit. Let's let's learn about this a little bit, can we? We go now to the Rangage Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in our good friend from The Athletic, Mike Dugar. He covers the Seahawks for The Athletic. It is time for 12 for the 12s, which we do, well, yet generally every Friday. But tonight, the Seahawks are playing against the Arizona Cardinals, so we bring him in a day early, good enough to join us. Mike, we appreciate you being here, but let's just go back five days to the Rams game. You uh, correctly predicted that the Rams would win that game, uh, which they did. Seattle did not look great. Some more turnovers by Russell Wilson, so we'll get into that. But I do want to say this. For the first time, I mean, the Achilles heel all season has seemingly been the Seahawks' defense. They didn't play that terrible on on Sunday. Now, we could talk about Jared Goff and all that if we want to, but it was the offense that really let this team down for the first time all season, and frankly, Russell Wilson to an extent as well. So where are you at now coming out of that game uh, against the Rams heading into a quick turnaround tonight against the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, if you'd have told Pete Carroll, like, Sunday morning, like, hey, Pete, it's me, I'm from the future, um, you're go- you're, the defense is going to give up 23 points today. That's it. Your defense is going to give up 23. They're not going to score on, on defense. That's it. They're just going to give up 23. How do you feel about that? And he's like, well, oh, well, I like our chances then. Like, I'll take it. You know, like, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I want to give up zero, but I understand football. 23, I'll take it. Right, and so that's kind of where I would have that with it too. Like, man, the defense gave him twenty three. Something had to go terribly wrong on offense, and it did. The guy who touches the ball every play kept giving the ball to the other team, and that's been a theme, you know, with Russell since the bye week. Really, I think uh, entering the bye week when they were like five and zero, I think Russ had like nineteen total t- uh, touchdowns and one turnover, which was the pick six. Um, I think no, he had. He, I think he had three, um, three turnovers total. And since then, he leads the league in turnovers, right? He has, like, 10 in the past four weeks. That They'll never beat anyone if Russell Wilson is turning the ball over more than Carson Wentz. I can guarantee that. I, I, guarantee, I can guarantee very few things in this world. I guarantee the 2020 Seahawks will not win games if Russell Wilson turns the ball over more than Carson Wentz. Um, so that's, that's the thing that matters tonight. Can Russell protect the ball? which is crazy to say about someone like Russell Wilson, but the, the facts are facts. No one's uh, being more careless with the ball right now in the NFL than Russell Wilson. It's amazing to say, but it's true. I mean, he, he has been one of the best guys at protecting the ball, and he, he has not not protected it well at all the last month or so. Why? I mean, is there anything you can point to, or is this just a regression to the mean, or is this a, just a, kind of the, the fact that they have been throwing the ball so much more often? Or what? what is the issue with the turnovers with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson? I think it's two things primarily. One is pretty generic, but I understand why coaches say it now. 
Um, he's just not seeing the field well. And I know that that's like a, a pretty blanket statement that could mean a bunch of different things. But if you notice, when guys are playing well, that is what their coach usually says. Like, he's seeing the field really well. He's in command. He's very decisive, uh, right? Like, that makes sense. Russ is the opposite of all of that um, right now. He's not seeing open guys. He's, he's, he's not being very decisive. He, he's reading blitzes uh, poorly right now. He's getting knocked around a bunch and fumbling and, and making bad reads, you know, on blitzes. I mean, against the Cardinals that first time around, he saw the blitz and was so afraid of it. He threw the ball before they even, you know, right at the snap threw it to the wrong team. You know, like that's, I think that's part of it is him just not seeing the field very well. The other part of it is I do think he is pressing. And I know everyone wants to just blame the defense for that, but I, I just need to point out how unfair that is to the other side of the ball. Like, hey, you guys are so bad, you're making Russ bad. Like, come on, man. Like, that's, if you think about it, that's really, really, really a reach in like every sense uh, of the word. I do think Russ is pressing because of the pressure he's put on himself. I think when you, when you, kind of can't make your own MVP campaign, you get a little bit outside yourself, right? You're doing our job. You're doing your coach's job. Um, you're doing the fans' job to hype yourself up. And that's never really been Russ. You know, he's the king of cliches for a reason because cliches keep you grounded, right? Work hard every day, you know, wake up, thank Jesus every day, say you want to go 1-0 and every week. Like, these are things to keep him grounded, you know, whether he wants to admit them or not. Coming out and saying, yeah, I want to win MVP. Well, and you said, like, week three, like, you're, you're getting outside of yourself. I think that's forcing him to do a little bit too much. I don't think it has anything to do with Russell playing too hard because the defense stinks. Russ doesn't think the defense stinks. As crazy as that sounds, too, I know Russell. Russell's an optimist. He looks at the defense and sees number 54. He sees number 50. He sees Pete Carroll in charge of it, and he's like, I want a championship with these guys. I believe in them. Whether he should or not is another question, but he does. So it's not necessarily Russ thinks, I got to score 40 because they're going to give up 39. No. Because I'm going to score because I want to win MVP, and whatever they do is whatever they do, and I trust them. Um, so those are the kind of the two things I think that's bothering Russ right now. It's him getting outside of himself um, and, you know, not seeing the field well. Mike Dugard joining us. Uh, he writes for The Athletic. Go uh, subscribe and read his stuff. You'll learn well, everything you need about the Seattle Seahawks. You can also listen to him on the Seahawks Man-to-Man podcast. And follow him at Mike Dugar on Twitter. Uh, Mike, here's the thing. Bad as Russell Wilson has been this last month, it's also so very out of character that I think there's a lot of expectation that at some point it ain't going to be that anymore. For the Seahawks, there could be no better time than tonight for Russ to be Russ, as it were, against a very good Arizona team, as we know, got him the first time around. Uh, and our, our you know, a team that looks like they are, you know, not just an up and coming team, but maybe a team that is starting to be on the level of one of the, the, the best teams, the better teams, certainly in the NFC. I don't, I have a lot that I think about this game. I want to hear what you think about this game and the matchup, particularly tonight, not just these two teams in general, but specifically on a Thursday night in a game that feels like the Seahawks really need. No, they do need it. The Scott, I, I, I'm not one who likes to overreact too much to any given game, you know, unless it's like week 17 or something like that. But if they lose this game, the sky falls. Right? That's, that's realistic. Right? That will be, it's not just that you'd be 6-4. and four. Your record is not, like, if that sounds crazy, but follow me here. Your record is irrelevant, right? Your record does not, your record's not very predictive. We found other metrics that predict how well you're going to play. DVOA, that Football Outsiders has, um, has, uh, you know, cooked up. We have one at the, um, at the athletic, I forget the acronym for it, but it's like expected win metric or something like that based on how you're playing. Uh, Shield Kapadia and Ethan Douglas, I think cooked it up. Um, your point differential is much more predictive of how well you perform in the playoffs than your record actually is. So it's, it's, I'm not just trying to completely dismiss having six wins, but if your four losses are against teams, the type of teams that you would play, in January, right. well, then that's a problem. I, I don't care if then after you lose this, you go beat up on Carson Wentz, Daniel Jones, whoever the hell is starting for the Jets, and whoever the hell is starting for Washington. Right? Like, I don't really care. Sure, they could be 10-4 and four heading into Week 16. Right? But then you're, you can go against the Rams again. Right? So let's say you split and you limp into the playoffs 11-5. and five, You get, the second, you get the, a wild card. You're the five seed. You go play whoever wins the NFC East. You're in the same predicament as last year on the road in the division around against a team that is better than you, right? So I can foresee all of that happening 
if they lose to another good team, especially if, you know, they lose in the same way. If Russ turns it over a bunch or if, if uh, DK Metcalf is completely shut out. You know, I think that's one of the biggest storylines of the game. I wrote about it Thursday morning on The Athletic. DK Metcalf has one catch against Patrick Peterson in his career in two games. One catch for six yards. Um, also, DK Metcalf's three worst games of his career in the NFL are all against Arizona. You know, who's had the same defensive coordinator for DK's entire career. So, I mean, if he gets shut down again and Russell turns it over again, and this team, that's called getting exposed, right? Like, there's something consistent that a team can do to stop you. And defensive coordinators are smart. This is why defenses catch up in the back half of the season after there's an offensive eruption in the first half because they have more tape. They have more things that work against you to study and copy. And they're going to continue to do that. Um, so I think that uh, th- this game is – this is everything. It's not the entire season necessarily, but it's a great deal of it. And, like, half of the damn season is on the line Thursday night. Now, with that being the case, and I totally agree with you, that is, to me, one reason why I kind of like Seattle. I'm not sitting here saying who's going to win or not, but it always seems like the Seahawks, if they really got to have it, and especially in these divisional games, usually whip up a little bit of magic, usually have some sort of thing that goes their way, and always play seemingly in a close game, but often find a way to pull that close game out when they really have to have it. I don't have a football analysis for you as much as I have a mystic analysis for you about what I've seen with Pete and Russ for the past like decade or so. I know this is a different team, but that mystique continues even with you know losing three or four of the last five, whatever it is. Do you think that is at play tonight? Do you does that make sense? Even what I'm saying. Yeah, it, it's the clutch factor. In fact, you know, like right. yeah, this clutch gene that is a Pete Carroll coach Seahawks team had. I will say I don't believe in it. I don't. I think the team was clutch. It wasn't clutch. It was good, right? And if you're good, you'll win games, right? Whether you win them by 40 or whether you win them by two. Um, like, they won games because they had great they had great players. Not to say they don't have some great ones now, but I don't think it was some mystical, um, like, clutch element. For instance, right, look at uh, weeks. Uh, let's go back to 2017, right? They um, At the time of kickoff, they know if they win and I think someone else had to lose. I want to say, like, Carolina. Or something had no Carolina had to win, had to beat the Falcons, and the Seahawks would have made the playoffs at like ten and six, right? Instead, they end up losing to a bad Arizona team. I don't even remember who was their quarterback um, on a missed field goal, I believe by like Blair Walsh or something like that. They ended up going nine and seven. That sounds about right. Now, Blair had, Walsh miss sounds about yeah. accurate. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and if they had if they had won, I still think because the Carolina Panthers didn't get it done, it wouldn't have mattered. However. The Seahawks didn't even control the part they could control, which is whether they won, right? Let's fast forward again to um, 2019, right? The Seahawks are in complete control of their fate entering week 16. You got two home games in the division. You win them both. Hell, if you split one, you, you are the one seed, and your path to the Super Bowl is basically just handed to you, right? What do they do? They get shellacked by the Cardinals at home, 27 to 13. And then, okay, Week 17 for all the marbles, prime time at home against the Niners. What do you do? You lose. Right? You lose. The clutch gene didn't didn't exist. Right? There's too many, and I can pick, uh, nitpick at some other games too. But the point is, I don't necessarily believe that gene. If there if that gene was a thing, it's gone now. They've they've come up short in too many important moments um, against division foes uh, late in the year for me to really feel confident in it existing now. They've had some clutch games in the middle of the year, so maybe those late-season games aren't entirely predictive. But, I mean, it's still the sentiment is what you're speaking to now. Like, this team is clutch, they'll get it done. Well, they've had clutch opportunities and failed. Um, so I'm not sure how confident I am. Well, that said, here we are with 6-3 and three for three different teams in the NFC West, and uh, this seems like a pivotal game, obviously, for the playoff race, the divisional race, and all of the above. So two-part question, is this a must-win for the Seattle Seahawks, and will they get it done tonight against Arizona? I do think it's a must-win, for sure, um, for all the reasons I just outlined. they got to win. Losing, losing basically tanks your, tanks your season. Like I, can, like I, said, I can map out exactly how this will go. I can probably even tell you where they'll lose in the divisional round. Um, if, if, if they lose like this game, so especially if, um, Tampa Bay loses to the Rams, that'll make the, the picture a little clearer. Um, so I'll say yes, for sure a must win. And I, I don't think it'll, it'll happen. Um, 
I, I got Arizona, I, what I wrote this morning, 32 to 28, I think is the, the score I picked. I just, I think that even if Russell has a good game, which I do expect him to do, I expect him to throw like four touchdowns today, I really do. Um, but I think that the way this defense is constructed um, and the way that teams have found a way, this particular defense has found a way to take out DK Metcalf, like that's a problem, man. He's your, he's your best offensive skill player, right? Like, and he and he's just being shut out of these games. He has three catches in three games against Arizona. Um, so I expect that trend to continue. Kyler Murray and D-Hop are on fire right now, and I expect that to continue. So I'll take Arizona in a close one. He's Mike Dugar. He covers the Seahawks for The Athletic. Read his stuff at The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Dugar. He joins us every week, 12 for the 12s. Mike, appreciate it. All right, thanks for having me. Thank you. Mike Dugar, always appreciate having him on a day early this week, thanks to uh, the fact that we got a Thursday nighter ahead of us, which we will take you out to right after the show is over. But next, we'll get you set up for that game. A couple more thoughts on the Seahawks for me and also about the show tomorrow. Coulter going to be in Billings on the sidelines of the Class AA State Championship game. We'll get you set for that and more. Wrap up a Thursday evening right after this. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the wind gate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space, because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the wind gate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Good evening. Welcome back. Wrapping up to Tell Nuanas on a Thursday. Hope you are well. Thanks for being here with us. We appreciate that very much. Coulter again on the road. He will be joining us live from Billings tomorrow as the Billings West Bears host the Sentinel Spartans in the Class AA State Championship game. Looking forward to that game very much. Uh, excited to watch it, see uh, see see how it goes with two 9-0 teams. But Coulter will be there on site. Uh, but tomorrow... Very excited. Got a big show for you, as usual. The chick who doesn't know sports will join us. Carolyn, going to be with us. We'll have our student of the week. And also, the head coach of the Sentinel Spartans, Dane Oliver, going to join us for our Garden City Spotlight. So we'll hear from the head coach in advance of uh, the state championship game tomorrow. So look forward to that. Hey, if you missed anything in the show, give it a listen on the podcast. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. If you're not really a podcaster, I mean, check it out. Not even for my sake, just in general. There's some pretty interesting stuff out there in the world if you want to download it. You can learn some stuff. It's uh, quite remarkable. Anyhow, uh, the podcasts are available uh, on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Google, Apple, etc., etc. Give it a listen and uh, check it out. The Two Tell Nuanas podcast is available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. A couple of thoughts as we get ready for the Seahawks-Arizona football game coming up uh, again just top of the hour we're going to send you out to seattle here in just a couple of minutes but you know mike dugar said he doesn't believe in the clutch gene he gave some examples of the seahawks where they needed to win in order they you know control their own destiny and all that kind of stuff and it didn't happen and obviously the most obvious example of that right is the super bowl against the new england patriots they had it on the one to two yard line whatever it was you get an interception you lose the football game and that is obviously the most 
probably impactful turning point other than winning the Super Bowl the year before for this organization, for this franchise. That's all well and good. There's also games, though, that come to mind, the NFC Championship game in 2015 against the Green Bay Packers that led them to that Super Bowl in the first place. And innumerable examples elsewhere of a team that either was down and out in a game that came back and won it or that was an underdog or in a bad spot heading into the game that found a way. And there's plenty of counterexamples. That's what sport is. And the idea that you're going to just win every single time or find a way every single time, that's that's not accurate. And Seattle has had plenty of times where they have not come through in big games, have not been there. And, you know, it adds to the intrigue. If you just knew it was going to happen, it might be remarkable, but it wouldn't be all that interesting. you got to lose some. But also, I, I continue to be so very impressed with and impressed by what I can only call belief. I mean, the ability for this team, this group, this head coach and quarterback in particular, Bobby Wagner certainly as well, but the core of this group who impacts then the wider team in general to sit there and go, well, it's going to be fine because we know we're going to make it fine. We're going to be great. We are great, and we're going to find a way to win, and that has been instilled. And whether it happens or not in any given instance is a question, but the fact that it's there and has influence for the better this team and this franchise is not in question. And you can talk to me. I mean, let me talk to you all day about Atlanta about the Chargers, right? Teams who are good, teams who are talented, that find ways to lose, that don't believe the Dallas Cowboys to some extent. I know there's a lot of injuries, obviously, there. But the Seattle Seahawks are a very talented team. They're a good group. They've been on the skids here lately. I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I think it's going to be a great game. But what I am saying is if it comes down to whether you think a team is going to win or lose based on what it has inside it, the culture of it, you can call it. The mystique of it, you can call it. The belief, you can call it what you'd like. There's a bunch of teams that I go, that team doesn't believe they're not going to find a way to win. In fact, they might find a way to lose. Seattle is the opposite. Doesn't mean they're going to win every single game, but I do think that this is a team, it's a coaching staff, it's a core group of captains of players who think that they're going to win every time that they go out. That's not in question, and that is critical. We've seen plenty of times where teams didn't have that and it didn't go well. I like the Seahawks tonight. I like the Seahawks tonight. Boys and girls, have a wonderful Thursday evening. I'll be back with you tomorrow. We'll talk to a whole bunch of people, including Coulter from Billings. Can't wait for that in advance of the state championship game. What a great weekend this is going to be. But got one more day left to do it. Enjoy Seahawks Cardinals right now on ESPN Radio. Good night. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.